and welcome to another episode of the Radical English Gentleman podcast. Today we are joined by a man who I spoke to over 36 weeks ago to this day. Well, I don't know about to this day, but 36 weeks ago anyway. When I spoke to this man, he was on the brink of potentially losing his job. There was one of the biggest, you know, revolutions in the health industry. Industry, that's probably the word, wrong word health uprisings going on in NHS workers fighting the mandate and here we are 36 weeks later who are you what are you about how are you mate you're right I'm doing great I'm, I'm yeah it's crazy how like like all this time ago when we done this last episode so much has changed so do you want to give like an introduction about who you are what you do because I know there's new podcasts and Yes. Okay. All right. Um, so I think we last spoke back in January, I think it was. So my name is Matt Taylor. I am a paramedic. Um, I was working um, at the time back in January doing um, home visits for doctors. So I was a specialist paramedic. So I don't do ambulance work anymore because um, I'm too old. But uh, but anyway, no, uh, that, that was basically a side a sideline you can do from, from when you're a paramedic. You can top up your degree and then go do um, home visiting and GP work and telephone triage and see and treat. So I was doing that um, and I was propelled into the limelight, I think would be a, a good way of putting it, because I posted a tweet, uh, which was a copy of my, um, it was a letter from my employer at the time saying if I didn't have my jab by the 1st of February, I would have lost my job. So I posted it on Twitter and then it kind of blew up a little bit, I made a few videos that blew up. Um, and then ended up being sort of at the, I wouldn't say at the forefront, but one of the, the first healthcare professionals to really start shouting about things and making some noise. Um, and then I did a few podcasts, including yours, um, which was good. And then, yeah, at the time I was, so it was January. So I'd had my email and we were just waiting, weren't we? Um, and then obviously it got revoked or reversed or quit or whatever you want to call it. I had a few meetings with my employers, which we can talk about later, which was quite interesting. But basically, after all of that, I, don't, I couldn't work in that environment anymore. <laughs> Looking at those same people you know, who sat there and said, you know, you're going to lose your job and then just pretended like nothing had happened. So I left. So now I've, I don't I, I'm still a registered paramedic. I still do a bit through my company, but I don't work in the NHS anymore, um, basically. So now I work as a greenkeeper on a golf course right? Because I couldn't be bothered with it anymore. It's a bit deeper than that, which we can go into. So I'm, I'm paraphrasing everything here. I make, you know what I mean? So it wasn't an easy decision to make. Um, but then I, I started up the podcast for, for the NHS 100K crew. And for those of you who don't know who they are, they were the ones that were kind of uh, leading the the healthcare professional side of the, uh, of the um, what's the word I'm looking for? People who weren't too happy with what was going on. So they were the ones that were, were kind of rallying everybody to do the marches, the protests and leaving their scrubs outside Parliament and, and working with some other groups, with the Together Declaration group people and and anyone else we could work with, really. And there was just a small group of them. And I approached them just at the beginning of the summer. I think it was about April time, um, asking if they wouldn't mind if I caught, sort of piggybacked on their kind of coattails, if you will, to set up a podcast because I was getting sick of listening to podcasts that I didn't like. 
um, as you can imagine. Uh, and they said, yeah, so, <clears throat> and that's it really. So, well, so that's it really. It's far from it, isn't it really? That was just a whistle stop tour really, mate, to be honest with you. But yeah, so, and now we're here. I mean, what a fucking story. Like, I remember seeing the, at the tweet, which you, I was so really, like, broke my heart actually looking at the tweet when you hand in your resignation i showed that to all my family members when yeah like that really was really um powerful that you it got to a stage where you just couldn't go on in the in the sector and uh, like i think it's so relevant now talking about because when i spoke to you you were literally willing to lose everything over yeah. the principles and just absolute respect to that and i had so many messages after that podcast that we done saying this man is incredible you know bravery and all this so and the way that you've you've kept with your principles and even after actually winning it's got to a stage where it's like you can't do it anymore and i think that's absolutely tremendous and also shout out to your podcast as well because i think your podcast is amazing you, <laughs> i appreciate that thank you buddy it wasn't an easy decision to make, and I don't think people appreciate this because there's, there's, and and this is what's this is what's become apparent now is at the beginning. I know I'm not the first person to make a video about stuff. I know I know that, but I went when I made that video, it I had the full intention of of losing my job right from the start. I spoke to the wife. Can we afford it? You know, and and it was and and without her, I wouldn't have been able to have done that. So I do appreciate it's not. Um, the easiest of decisions for people to make, but I still took a big pay cut um, to do the job I'm doing now. I've gone from, you know, from a decent paid sort of band seven paramedic now to minimum wage because now I'm an apprentice now. I'm an apprentice greenkeeper. Um, but it was about the, it was for me, it was always about the choice of having the choice. And I don't care whether you agree with the jab or not. It was having the choice because if we lose the choice to decide what goes in our body, then it, 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 it we, we, we lose all body autonomy and consent and everything. But people couldn't see how, you know, far enough ahead to see what the issue was with that. Um, and that was what the frustrating part was because I could see both sides having worked in, in medicine and being, you know, not your average kind of paramedic. I've had a very kind of colourful life, been in the army and other bits and pieces. So I like to think I'm open-minded about things. But it was always in my mind that I wanted to, you know, I would have quit. But when they revoked it or reversed it, I remember there waiting for an email from my boss in the morning to know whether I was going to work or not. Damn. I didn't get nothing till 11 o'clock. So I emailed oh. him saying, have I got a job or not? And he's like, oh, I was just waiting for the update. And I, was, and I emailed him back saying, I knew last night, mate when I saw it on the telly. So, and then he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Just come in as normal. No apologies, nothing at all. Um, so that was difficult because he was my manager. Uh, and obviously you have to interact with that person. And he was like, oh, it's nothing personal. And I was like, it, it, I can swear on it, can't I? Yeah, yeah. Say whatever yeah, you want. It's probably going to be yeah. only Spotify because YouTube, I don't know if I'll risk. Yeah, we can talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But all I wanted to do was punch the fucker in the throat. Do you know what I mean? So when someone says to you, oh, it was nothing personal. It was like, no, it wasn't personal. I mean, you only threatened me with dismissal. I only had to fight for my job. You only told me if the, if uh, if anything happened to me, I would be liable and you wouldn't. Uh, so it was, you know, I was just like, no, it was more than personal because you were too much of a, a, a pussy boy to say, I don't agree with this. I don't really want to have to sit and tell my staff this. You did the opposite and just said, I'm just doing what the government tells me, which is even worse. Um, and what's worse as well is these people aren't clinical in any way, shape or form. So they don't get the aspect. They're just managers in that sense. So you're being managed by someone who isn't a clinician. 
who has no idea about what it's like to be a clinician in your role and this and so that's even worse so it was it was an easy decision to make but then it wasn't because i felt like i was lose i was leaving the front line it really felt like i was leaving the front line i thought if i left the nhs then I'm betraying everybody. No one's going to take me seriously anymore, you know, and, and I just felt like I was leaving the soldiers. But to be honest with you, there's no fucking soldiers anyway, because everybody I work with was, you know, balls deep in this whole fucking COVID narrative anyway. So I was on my own anyway. So I thought, well, it doesn't matter. Um, and so, so the wife basically said to me one day, I think, okay, so basically after the, the, the mandate got reversed, I got, suspended twice sure. um once for not wearing a mask which i did do but a patient complained saying i didn't wear a mask and i was talking to them about loads of anti-vax stuff and misinformation apparently but the patient sat on it for a few days and then did an anonymous complaint so i couldn't even you know i didn't even know who it was when it was and i got suspended for two weeks um while they investigated this knowing full well nothing was going to come of it and nothing did come of it and then i come back to work and I still don't know what was said. I still don't know who, what, by whom. So I couldn't even defend what was said. And it's just all that kind of bullshit that, that goes on in the NHS that people have no idea that goes on. Um, and they think we're all privy to what's going on when we're not. Um, and it was just frustrating because I, 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 it, I just lost the passion for it. And I was getting, I was losing my empathy and um, I was going to see patients and I wasn't, I wasn't as caring as I could have been. And that's what I knew I needed to get out because I try and treat every patient like they're my family, especially the nanas. And I was just losing because especially when they're like, oh, I'm really poorly. And, and, and you know, it was just I know why you're poorly. Right. Um, but I can't say anything because, you know, I'll lose my job. And and it was just horrible. So I came home one day and I think it was after the second suspension. I think it was the wife just said, get out. You need to get out. So I did. So I handed him my notice and I um, I wish I kept the letter. I, I sent him an email resignation letter to everybody, not just my boss, but everybody that I work with, my clinicians, friends, all the middle management and everything saying exactly what I was annoyed about and what I was leaving. Because basically the first meeting, I, I'll, I'll go back to the beginning for, for a second. The first meeting I had, which was on the um so I think it was the middle of January was when they sat me down. My boss sat me down and HR sat me down and said, like, you know, you just want to make sure you've got all the support you need to take the vaccine. And, you know, like treat me like I was a retard and didn't know what I was talking about. Um, no disrespect to retards. Right. I know we're not supposed to say that word, but <laughs> um, and um, and I just said to him, I said, OK, right. And I had a friend come in with me because I, I, I wasn't part of a union because they're just as bad. Apart from so workers for England, them. right. Pardon? Apart from workers for England. Apart from workers for yeah. yes, that is very, very true. That is very, very true. But unbeknownst to them, which was a bit of a shit thing to do, everybody joined them. And then as soon as the van, they got reversed, everyone left them. Oh. Yeah. And that's what kind of happened to us as the NHS 100K as well, which which is what springboarded the, the, the podcast. As soon as the mandate got reversed or, or, you know, revoked or whatever, everybody just disappeared. The donation stopped. Everything stopped. The fighting stopped and everyone just went back to their daily lives thinking everything was going to be back to normal. Uh, and that was just the beginning. So um, so I, I took my mate in with me because I needed a witness there. And there was HR there on a little special um, oh, fucking Zoom thing. And then the, my, my manager was there. 
Uh, and after they spoke to me like I was 12 years old for a little bit, you know what I mean? And didn't have two degrees and 13, degree, uh, 13 years of medicine experience. I, I sort of said, right, okay. I said, I need you to answer me three questions before, you know. And I said, Do you, have you heard of the yellow card reporting scheme? They hadn't. And I said, who's liable if anything happens to me? Um, and I said, and can you tell me how many people have died from taking it? Obviously, they said no to the first two because they couldn't tell me who died and they didn't know about the yellow card reporting scheme. And then when they said who was liable, they said it was me. And I said, well, how can I be liable for a situation that you're putting me in? All right. And that's when they said, well, we're not putting you in the situation. You still have a choice. And I was like, right. So I have a, a choice to take an experimental jab that may or may not work and may or may not fuck me up or I lose my job. And they're like, yes. And that's when I said to them, I said, how do you sleep at night? And I said, how do you sleep at night thinking what you're saying to me right now is absolutely, you know, okay. I'm not the quietest of people. So I started to shout a little bit. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Uh, and he, he, we were upstairs in a, in a surgery. And he said, can you keep your voice down? And I said, fuck off. I said, you can't bring me to work. Tell me you're going to sack me to take a, a, a jab that I don't want to take. And then tell me to be quiet about it. I said, you're lucky we're not fighting in the street right now. Um, and he's like, oh, well, you know, you, there's no need to be aggressive. I said, there's every need to be everything that you're going to get from me right now. And I just opened a can of whoop-ass on him. And I told the woman on HR, I said, how do you sleep at night? She ended the call in the end because she said, I'm not going to sit here and listen to this. It's like, fine, you, you can fuck off. Uh, and then I listened to what my manager has said. And I said, are we done? And he just went, yeah, we're done. And that was it. All right, that's paraphrasing. But my mate came out of there with me and he was like, what the fucking hell was all that about? And I said, I hope you wrote it all down. He said, I didn't write anything down because I was too busy listening to what was being said. I was like, great. So anyway, I asked for the minutes of the meeting. All right. So, so, so that I could, anyway, the minutes I got were horrendous. They didn't say anything about anything. So that's why when I left, I made sure I wrote everything in the email so that if they didn't write any minutes, they had every, every, everything written down. And I put in the email, the reason I'm writing this email is because my manager can't be trusted to write minutes correctly to relay my concerns. I obviously didn't get a response. Um, but that was it. But it felt so good to to, to write that. I've got to try and dig it out because I want to. I want to. I did send it, but it was on my old NHS account, so I don't know if I've got access to that. But anyway, I'm sure I forwarded it to myself. Anyway, sorry, I digress. But any, um, but yeah. So it was it was a, a really good feeling to do that. But it was also petrifying at the same sort of time because I didn't know what um I didn't know what I was going to be going into, like what um what kind of career or anything like that. Um, but I knew that it was the right thing to do. But it's not been easy. It's not been easy. I mean, you can appreciate that, mate. It's not easy trying to speak up and say anything, is it? Hundred mm. mm. percent. I mean, that's hell of a story there. What was kind of the tipping point which pushed you over the edge? Because you talk about a lot of things. What was kind of was there a single case, single thing with a patient? What was the thing where it was like, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot work in the NHS think it, it was a, it was like a i mean like i've worked in the nhs for for 13 years now and and those people that know me will know i'm, I'm i don't do myself any favors sometimes with what i say to people some people would say i'm i'm, I'm a gobshite some people will say i have no filter other people would say um they like the fact i tell them the truth you know so it's I'm, I'm like marmite with some people you either really like me or you, you really hate me and I, I can't find the middle ground sometimes but it was the it was just being surrounded by every fucker who thought what was going on was absolutely normal. And I think, you know, I'm going in to see patients, they've got COVID. Uh, I'm going to see 
friends, they've got COVID. My family weren't letting me go, go down and see them because I weren't jabbed, but they, they all got COVID anyway. Are they still doing that now? Or has it changed? It's what family or mm, family. Um, it wasn't all my family. It's just certain, certain members of the family. I saw them recently and, and I instigated a hug because I think there wouldn't have been one if I didn't do it. And I was just like, come on, you've had how many jabs and you've had it twice. So you should be more protected from it than I am. Mm. And I'm the one that you're still afraid of. It's just like, you know, and it was, and it was just seeing that. I mean, and what people don't appreciate as well is working in the hospital was different than working in the community. So when you're working in the hospital, you're dealing with sick people anyway. You don't give a shit what they've taken to get to that point of being sick. Your job is just to try and, you know, reverse what's causing them to be unwell and hopefully send them upstairs to a ward and they discharge and go home. You don't care what their vaccine status is or what's going on. You just need to know enough to treat them, to get them, you know, to, 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 to get them better. So in the community, it was different because I was seeing the people that weren't getting the, the care that they needed because doctors weren't seeing patients. I was seeing the um, problems that patients were having within about a 12 week window after taking the jab. Um, I was seeing patients just deteriorate. I've seen families deteriorate. And because they weren't seeing their doctors, they were angry with us when we were coming through the door. So you're getting a lot of aggression from people, which I understand, you know, 100%, because they, they've been waiting three weeks for this person to come out and see them. And then they find out it's not a doctor, it's a paramedic. So they get even more pissed off. But I'd say to them, trust me, I'll do a better assessment than a, than a doctor will. And you'll get more of a conversation out of me than a doctor most of the time anyway. So... But it was just a culmination of everything because working in the NHS, you, you kind of, you're kind of hardened anyway to taking a bit of shit, you know, especially in the winter and all that kind of stuff, you know, it's always busy. Um, so you kind of get used to the general kind of pace of things. But I think it was, it was, it was the little nanas for me that were sat there that hadn't seen anybody for months, literally months, you know, not in person. People would slide stuff through the door or the window, but there were people that didn't have anyone you know, family or anything either to bring them food, to say hello and all that. And it was just the, the deterioration in people in, in, in the area where I live. And, you know, and then I was seeing, I only live in a small town and I, I saw in one sort of park that I go visit, I saw four people have strokes. Fuck. And, and one of them had his own gardening business and he had, he had an AstraZeneca one, right? And then he had a TIA, which is a little baby stroke. So then, and then they gave him another AstraZeneca one. It was when it was his time to have it. And he had a full blown stroke to the point when I saw him, he was still in like rehabilitating to, to walk again. And he was only 65 and he had a full blown landscaping business and everything else. So that, that was just one. And then the amount of other bits and pieces that was going on, but I saw more fallout from the measures they were putting in to try and protect people from COVID than I did from, from, from people actually dying of COVID. And I was going into patients' houses that were positive, symptomatic. And then I was coming home to my house uh, and everything else, you know, and that's another thing people don't appreciate as well, that we were still risking ourselves, not seeing it as a risk because it's part of the job. It's an occupational hazard and going to see patients and then coming home and then having the public, not all the public, you know, after the clapping part, mm. everyone then hated us because they thought we all knew what was going on. And we're all trying to give all their nanas medazolam and, and it's like, you know, what's going on and why don't you do nothing? And it's like, I am doing something. I'm fucking trying, you know, and it was just, so, so it was, it was a car then I was I was going through the awakening process as well of finding out that everything I've been told over the last god knows how many years ain't right or there's a big you know and trying to filter through the shit and get your brain out of your ass to, to realize that you know everything is it, it doesn't matter where we are how we've got here 
but we're here. So none of that sort of stuff really matters. It's kind of what you do now. So yeah, short answer, quite a few different things, but it, I think it was, <laughs> it felt like I was in the, in the, in the shit storm and all my friends as well, speaking to them in A&E and things as well. And, and I was saying to them, you know, they're vaccinated. Oh, we weren't checking. And I was just getting angry with everybody. Cause I was like, you're just blindly going on with what's going on and not asking any questions. But sometimes you don't know that there's questions to ask until someone answers them, if you know what I mean. And it's, so it's, it's, it's a difficult scenario, but there wasn't like one particular thing. Um, it just, I just got to the point after, after I think it was being threatened with dismissal and then having all those, um, being suspended and then having all the complaints, you know, because one person says this and one person says, and it's like guilty till proven innocent scenario. But the NHS's mantra is is learn, not blame. But it's it's like it's just blame, blame, blame. <laughs> that's how it feels anyway, you know. So there's another thing that's going on. So one of the statements I had to write, I wrote the statement, and then they've come back and said, So you're denying the allegations. And it's like, well, no, you've asked me for a statement, and I'm saying some of the stuff that's been said here isn't true. So that's it. Well, we, we think you're denying the allegations. And I was like, well, what's the point in me asking to give you, uh, asking for me for a statement if you're then going to say that I'm denying it when it's my word against that person that I don't know who it is <clears throat> either. So I can't even remember. Anyway, fucking hell, I've got loads of stuff I could say, mate. Jesus Christ, you've got to stop me from chatting, mate. You know that. <laughs> I mean, you said a lot there for sure. Like, I think it is understandable, like people listening, that, um, that it... It's not just one thing that pushes people over the edge for so many things. And I think when you, the way you describe it, it does make sense. You know, the environment, your like, things you experience firsthand, like everything seems yeah. kind of just horrendous. But I want to talk about what's currently happening with the situation because you went to the, sorry about this, the APPG meeting, which for anyone who... Could you just explain to all the new yeah. people what, what okay. the meeting was, what it was about and what happened? Okay, so fast forward from me leaving the NHS and being a, a noob in it all to now me being a superstar podcast host. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but being in a position now where I'm like, right, I've, 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 I've spoke to a few people. <clears throat> so the APBG was the all-parliament parliamentary group um, and it was a meeting set up by Sir Christopher Chope and another MP, I can't remember, um, there's only about three anyway that believe what's going on. All right, so you'll find them. Mm. But Sir Christopher Choke was the main one. And the idea was so that they could go down there. Uh, Dr. Asim Malhotra was going to give a uh, presentation. And it was basically an opportunity for, for, for them to present evidence to Parliament for them to then go away and discuss it on the Monday, the following Monday on the 24th, I think it was, in, in actual Parliament, which was televised, I think, on the Monday mm. as well. Which you can check that on, sorry, you can check that on the YouTube channel as well. If you go to the Parliament YouTube channel, type in vaccine safety, you can find it. Yeah, and that was fucking car crash as well. But anyway, so, so, <clears throat> so that's what the meeting was about. So I went down to London and very kindly, and I'm going to give a shout out, one of, a, 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 well, a, a, a doctor um, very kindly paid for my ticket because I was skint than a motherfucker. <laughs> so obviously being on, being on a minimum wage job now, I couldn't afford the train fare from, from where I am in Cumbria down to London. So she very kindly paid for me and I met her in London and we both went and I got to see Norman Fenton, Matt Letizier, um and and Norman's mate, um, Martin. And all, all, I don't like to say all the celebs, okay? Because it's not like that, but Tess Laurie, 
um uh, all, all the people there that that those people that are in our circles you know that that were that were there which was great mark sexton and everything else which was it was good it was good for from a networking perspective to meet people and uh, some of them I'd, I'd obviously spoken to and interviewed anyway you don't need to know about that shit so um i did have an invite because i applied too late but i managed to hustle my way in and there were about so there was 120 in the public gallery so anyone that tells you the, the gallery was empty is full of shit um the whole gallery was full they had the reason they delayed it slightly because they had to move us to a larger uh room with a larger gallery to fit us all in there were about at least half that were vaccine injured and bereaved already there from vib uk cv1 and i think i think that was it and then there was obviously all the other people there myself and, and all the others so Dr. L.C. Malhotra gave his presentation, which was good. It was all right. It was rushed because there was a time limit um, and stuff, but it, it, it was it was it was good. It was concise. It, it was it was good. It was all right. And then um, and then it kind of turned. All right. <laughs> and it turned from. So basically, Asim gave his his um, presentation and then no one really gave any cues for anyone else to talk. But a couple of the Vib UK people stood up and started sort of, you know, discussing their concerns, rightly so. The length of time it was taken for claims to be processed. Um, I think I've got stuff written down. Um, altering the 60%. So basically, for those people who don't know, to get compensation for any kind of injury, you need to have a greater 60% or greater disability to your body. I thought it was 50%, is it? 60, apparently that it's the most <laughs> ridiculous rule how do you I mean, measure that yeah exactly exactly so and the irony is is a lot of them have got symptoms that can't be pinpointed um so you can't quantify it as a percentage when you don't know what it is oh. um and some of them still hadn't had it put down as officially caused by by the vaccine um some of them had lisa shaw Husband was there from, you know, the BBC journalist that unfortunately she passed away and he mm. was talking about how he to, it was horrendous, how he had to watch his his wife die because the brain tumour came on that quickly. I mean, there was some horrendous stories. It was, it was horrible. Not horrible. It was kind of harrowing. It was just, you could, the emotion was palpable in the, the room. The pain. Yeah. Yeah. And rightly so, because these poor people, and I don't mean it poor as in, you know, I don't, I got nothing but admiration for them for what they're doing. And I've spoken to a few of them, but they just had no one to talk to for two years. You know, they're shouting into the abyss about what's wrong with them. And everyone's saying, oh, it's this, it's that, but it's definitely not this. So gaslighting these poor fuckers as well. You know what I mean? And some of them, most of them, you know, some of them had lost people, you know, like husbands and spouses and things. Other people had lost the ability to do tasks, work, pay bills. Some of them were going to lose their houses. You know, it was it's just serious shit, you know? But I think what had happened is no one had really managed their expectations before going into this meeting. Uh, and I think they're expecting more out of it um, than what was what was actually kind of given to them. So a couple of the Vib UK and the vaccine bereaved stood up and started asking their questions and saying their stories. Then Mr. Mark Sexton stood up, said his piece, started saying um, that everybody's a victim of crime um or a crime uh and, and they need to be um compensated and every, everything he said was, was was right you know what i mean he didn't do anything wrong at all and then um another doctor stood up and started saying some stuff and then all the all the people in the sort of public gallery started saying stuff then and and 
Tess Laurie said some bits and pieces and handed some stuff out. And then a few of the other, and then it started getting a bit heated then because there seemed to be what they thought. I didn't see it as an issue until I got back and saw some of the comments, but there seemed to be a bit of a free for all then to speak to the, to the MPs and just sort of, it started to get into a bit of a shouting match really, you know, um, and, and everyone was getting quite angry. Yeah. And, um, and, and the MP, there were these, just these three MPs, right? Yeah, there right. was, there, I can't, there, I, I'm trying to find my notes that I had, but I've got so much shit written down. Because so are these the three that spoke at the vaccine safety debate as well? Or are these... Yeah, there's Christopher right. Choke, there's the, the one from Bournemouth, I think, and there's another dude, I think, I can't Is, remember the And name. the other guy's the guy who just got done for corruption, didn't he? Is he the one that got done for corruption or is he the one that got booted out because he turned around and said that oh. the jab? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I I just saw he... a headline. I didn't read into it. So. Is that the conservative guy? Yeah, he's definitely conservative. He goes on GB yeah, News he... a lot. I can't remember his name. Right, I think he... Because he came out and said something in Parliament and then mysteriously the next day he was dismissed. Um, So, so it's... Honestly, mate... And this is why... When you try and explain this to people and say to them, look, there's some serious shit going on, people just think you're going crazy. Mm. Um, And it's really difficult to... Um, 100%. I literally had to call my brother yesterday. I just went on the biggest fucking rant. He picked up. I just went on a rampage. Um, and also, like, another thing. I spoke with a girl. The I won't name her name because I doubt she want to be named. But I've been speaking to her for a while. She's vaccine injured. And it was, it was absolutely heartbreaking hearing her the other day. How fucking just so sad. Like, and it, the thing which pisses me off is people talk about, you know, things like, you know, being abused, rape, all these awful things. Imagine being vaccine injured, having the PTSD, the pain, both physically and mentally, and people don't even fucking acknowledge your existence. I cannot imagine the pain. And these are people that um, are the best of us as well. Stood up at the beginning. People can say they're stupid or whatever, but then go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? These people stood up and did what they think was thought was right, untrusting the government, the science, and you know, like you should do in a normal society, you shouldn't have to fear what your government's telling you. And they did the right thing. Alex did, John did, Alex Mitchell lost his leg, John still can't stand up great, you know, amongst loads of other things. Vicky's lost her spat. I mean, I've got the list is endless, you know what I mean? And these people, most of these people were just, they weren't even into this stuff. And when I say in this stuff, you know what I mean? They weren't, they didn't, they had no fucking clue. And now, and this is what's happened because they've been thrust into this world um, through a vaccine injury. To, to get your head around what's going on, you have to be red-pilled to a certain degree. Otherwise, you can't kind of understand it. And I don't like to say the term red-pilled. Awakened, awoken, whatever you want to fucking call it. I don't give a shit. But you still have to have a bit of an idea of the surrounding. Because all you keep asking is why, why, why? And that's what makes you start looking further and further and further out. Because the whys are further and further out. And then when you do find it, you think... Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, even, yeah. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but it's not even that. It's like, even if you don't get to the place that some people get with the why, the fact that it's still happening is still horrendous. And that's why there's definitely a convoluted um, people with their opinions of, you know, who what's the motivation? What's the motive? Why are they doing this? Why do MPs say this? Why do doctors say this? There's so many variables to it. But all one thing I think all the freedom people can agree on is something very disturbing is happening and it needs to be talked about. It needs to be debated. And that that's 
Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like it, we, we, we're just being stonewalled. And that's that's something that, that doesn't normally happen in medicine. You know what I mean? If there's an issue, if there's a recurring problem, you'll look at what's the um, the most recent external factor that could contribute to your to your feeling the way you are. Any recent medications, any recent travel, you know, blah, blah, blah. So everybody, not everybody, because lots of people have comorbidities, but those people that are fit and well that have died or had an injury were fine up until a point, right? And mm, I've refused to accept the fact that all doctors and clinicians that have access to these records or anything have not thought, fucking hell, the last thing you had was this. And since then, you've had vertigo and you've had this and you've had palpitations. And because no fucker wants to stick their head up above the parapet and get shot in the face, because that's literally what will happen. But going back to the APBG meeting, because I just wanted to finish that off, after they started getting a bit quite heated and the, the, the injured started sort of almost shouting at the MPs, understandably frustrated, to the point where Sir Christopher Chope had to say, look, we're all on the same side. Everyone needs to calm the fuck down, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I could get it. But they had this raw emotion and, 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 and nowhere for it to go. So anyway, that, that was that. Um, I think they were really disappointed with it. I came back, I spoke, I rang John, Scottish John, John Watt, right? And um, he was like, you know, how did you think it went? And I was like, well, I think it went all right. Thought it went all right, to be honest with you. I thought, you know, but then I saw Twitter the next day and how upset the vaccine injured and bereaved were with Asim Al-Hotcher, with Tess, with Sexton, with all of the people that stood up and spoke uninvited or whatever. Um, and they were really, really frustrated with them because they felt like those people sort of freeloaded, if you will, on the meeting to get their message across when the bereaved and injured felt like it was their time to get their message across. So there was no managing of expectations. There was, there was no clear kind of outcome of what the meeting was going to achieve. So I think everybody expected stuff different. Um, and I, I think the, the injured and the bereaved were expecting a lot more out of it than what happened. And they felt like Tess and everybody who stood up and said stuff were just jumping on the bandwagon. But then from, from another perspective, it was like, well, they're trying to get them stopped. And this is the other thing with the, the, the injured and the bereaved. I may get some flack for this or not, but it's a case of we still need to stop it from happening as well. So I get what you're saying with, it was a time for you guys and it is, and there's all, it's all for you guys. But what the other people are trying to do is stop it. So we don't have any more injured and bereaved as well. So I felt like they were damned if they did and they were damned if they don't. So I, I don't really, you know, because what it would have turned out to have been, if I think if Tess hadn't have stood up, it would have just been everybody from the bereaved and injured standing up and, and basically having a go at the MPs for their scenarios and situations, which I understand are horrendous, but Christopher Choke can't do anything about it right then, can he? He can't mm. do nothing about it then, apart from say, great, thanks for the evidence. We'll use this for the talk on Monday. That's all it was about. So um, I, I just felt generally bad for them because I was like, they're so pissed off and they've kind of got no one to be pissed off at. This meeting was potentially going to be someone they could be pissed off at. And then other people came in and fucking sabotaged it. So it was just, it just wasn't how I expected it to, to have turned out, if you know what I mean. Then I kind of felt a bit deflated the next day because I thought, I thought it went quite well. But then from the, the injured and bereaved perspective, I can see how they feel the way that they feel. But then from Asim and Tess Laurie's perspective, I could see what they were trying to do. 
So it just created unintentionally a little bit more infighting and more division really between the two parties because they were saying, oh, I've seen you, you were saying you were going to help us and you haven't. And it's like, well, he just fucking stood up in parliament and spoke to three MPs about what's going on and trying to stop the jab. What do you want it? What else? What other doctors have done that? You know, and I know there's Dave Cartland that's been speaking out. So there's always a counter argument for each side. And I'm not saying one side is more justified than the other, but I just think, I feel sorry for the vaccine injured and the bereaved because we can shout about this shit as much as we like, but we're not going to fix this going through the front door in the government, man. No way. No way. Mm. It is important that, like, when there is an issue, a lot of people, they'll... I'm not talking about the vaccine injured here. I understand the pain and agony that's come from Mm. them. But as in, people will always talk about the problem, but at the end of the day, proactive steps need to happen to actually solve the problem. But... Not many people want to do that. Do you want to talk about the problem itself? We're not actual yeah. kind of like solutions. And this it's a classic one. Like everyone talks about this issue, that issue, but then they won't donate money. They won't uh, campaign. They won't petition. They won't go on a protest. Yeah. And it's, you know, boots on the ground stuff is one of the most important things when it comes to so many issues. And that's why I always talk about when the NHS thing was happening, I was constantly saying, you know, sign this petition, sign that petition, because it's that's what actually makes a difference, you know, just a few email addresses. And that's why Together Declaration, they're putting problems into action. They're signing petitions, doing videos. So there's like there is a lot which goes on to actually make shit happen. But about the actual kind of vaccine itself, what's the current kind of landscape? Because we, we now have Florida... 19 to 39 year old men don't take it because you've got more chance of heart complications sweden not recommending it for i think under 18s the uk now under 11s i don't think you can get it uh denmark i think under 60s you can't take it and what's the other place norway i think norway's under 50s you can't take it so what do you think because i remember when last time i spoke to you I, when you said it should get taken off the market, I'll give you credit here. For me, when I heard that, it was like, what the fuck? I was absolutely gobsmacked when you said that. And ever since, I've seen the excess deaths, I've seen the um, the neo, what's the word? neo-fatal deaths. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've seen the cardiac arrests. I've seen the just ridiculous amount of problems happening in so many um, sectors of health. And what is the the correlation that can be pinpointed to nearly every single one of these? It's to do with when the vaccine rollout happened. Now, if this was bullshit, then investigate it. But there still hasn't been an investigation in the UK. So my question is, what do you think is going to happen in the UK with the vaccine landscape? Is it going to get pulled? Um, I think, I think what they'll do is I think so. There's two. Th- there's a few couple of things. I don't think they'll pull it because that'll be them admitting that they were wrong. You know what I mean? But what they'll do is what the government does is they'll start rolling it back to to higher age brackets, the more vulnerable, mainly because if those fuckers die, they can blame it on an, another comorbidity because they'll have one. But if a young, healthy, healthy 19-year-old dies after the jab, they can't blame it on fuck all. Although they are trying to say these incidences of myocarditis and things that your kids are getting a spontaneous or from COVID and all that kind of shit. And it's... Anyway, so um, so I don't think they'll pull it, pull it. But I remember what was interesting is 
when we were trying to at the APPG meeting, um, there was a lot of emphasis that they were talking about about the AstraZeneca, uh, and then the the some of the bereaved and injured said um, we've had the Pfizer. So I think what the government were trying to do is, is put all of it, a lot of it, onto the AstraZeneca, and be like, yeah, but we don't we don't give that to them anymore now. Uh, as as a as a almost like yeah okay we well we don't do that but but unfortunately people are still getting injured from the Pfizer, um so so that's not working out too much either. Do you know what, Reggie? This is mate such a difficult landscape to determine at the minute because it's it's almost like we've gone past COVID now because and now we're looking at problems with currency collapses and and recessions and bankruptcies and a whole world of other shit and now we've got join your fifth jab kind of in the background as well you know so i think what they'll do is i've, I've always thought their their main job was to get a number of jabs in people's arms that's that's their only job was to get so many billions of doses um and to stop people like us from convincing people not to have it that's why they they don't give a shit they're not singling out the unvaccinated anymore that they were because they've probably got enough people now that have had the jab they don't give a shit about us or you know, there's a lot of us and they don't want to, don't want to know. But I don't think they'll ever stop it because they'll all be, they'll always be, and I hate to say it, there'll always be some fucker out there that will still take it. So, so, um, and then now there's the risk of them saying, and, and I've heard this a few times, people have been having flu jabs and that's been triggering some horrendous shit. So we don't know. And I know this is going to be like, you can't trust anybody, but I do trust people. But we don't know whether they've actually given you the Rona jab. Guys, is the flu jab don't trust these fuckers no more now they've completely rinsed the trust out of the part and, and, and people should should be um cautious about these sorts of things but i don't think i don't think they'll get rid of it now because that that's too much of a well why have you got rid of it now then and not you know then oh well we know more data now okay well that's not going to bring my 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 so-and-so back that's not going to get rid of my myocarditis so they can't they can't do that if you know what I mean. Even if they wanted to, I don't think they could do it. But it still should be taken off the market. Hundred mm. uh, Yeah, that's that's interesting. I think though the that there could be a strategic push. And like what I hear from you is, I hear that you think that they're them. When you say they, you think it's nefarious actors. But when I look at it, I think big multinational corporations, Pfizer, you know, the biggest lawsuit in history for fraud in America. Um, I think that entity is evil, but I don't think the UK government is evil per se. I think that there's certain people in the UK government who have realized that all the letters from the Heart Group, the CCVG, however you say it, NHS 100K, you know, all these groups together declaration, <laughs> all these groups, World Council for Health, of it, <laughs> just keep on adding ones there. Um, they've realized that they they can't blatantly backpedal because then certain people in high authority this will be the biggest scandal like for fucking ages because i know there was a scandal recently which was I, i'm sure you know to do with pregnant women they were giving them a drug do you know it which one thalidomide or is this going back like more more recent they recently i think there was a whole investigation in parliament recently about it um i'm I'm s I really can't remember the specifics of it. I I know that there was recently it was kind of acknowledgement about the atrocities that this drug giving it to pregnant women was recently in Parliament, maybe like six months ago or something. 
Um, oh, right, okay. And I, I can't remember what it was, but it did eventually come out that it was causing absolute atrocities. So what kind of needs to happen is the people who are in account for, you know, the MHRA, which is 70 to 80%, or is it 65 to 70% funded by pharmaceutical industries, the people in the high authority need to retire and then there can be a landscape for it to be pushed. But I feel like when you look at Florida, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, the tides are turning. So like they could come out and say, oh, well, it turns out COVID's far more mild now. So there's no point taking the vaccine. Like, I feel like there could easily be a strategic way they could do it without being too blatant that we got the whole thing completely wrong. The naivety of youth. <laughs> I'm only joking, mate. I'm only joking, mate. No, you, you, you're right. It's, it's, it's. I think it's, it's, it's good to be open-minded and not, not look at everything as being nefarious and 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 dodgy and stuff. I think there's a certain amount of due diligence our government has. Their job as elected MPs is to represent their constituents and their concerns. We wrote. How many letters to our MPs from the very beginning and they're still writing to them now and we weren't getting responses. We were getting, if we did get a response, it was, it was a generic um, template format response. So the MPs let you down, right? And they're the one people that are supposed to, to raise your concerns in parliament. So they would rather ignore all of the concerns from their constituents, blindly follow the government Okay, so let's be devil's advocate. Okay, the government thought, okay, well, these are just my constituents. I've been told by the Prime Minister that the evidence suggests this. So what do these Neanderthals know, right? So they ignore it, and they ignore it, and they ignore it. And then we have the odd crazy person that starts shouting about 5G and, and, and adrenochrome and all this kind of stuff, you know what I mean, and everything else. And it just it destabilizes any kind of argument that you have, and that's what they do. They attack the person or they attack whatever because then it, it completely shuts down the argument and they can't carry on with it anymore. So I agree with you to a certain sense, but people were raising concerns right at the start. No one, had, no one had ever wrote to their MPs about the flu jab or the meningitis jab in mass numbers to the point, you know. So trying to be devil's advocate with the MPs, we'd never been in this situation before, but you cannot you know, they could not jump on the bandwagon and say it was safe. They couldn't because there was no data to suggest it was safe. They lied. They lied to convince everybody. They abused the truth. Uh, they abused the trust, sorry, that we have with the medical establishment and the government because most people trust. If a doctor says to you, you need to take this, 99.9% .9 of people go, okay, doctor. There'll only be a handful that will go, what is it? What will it do? What would the side effects be? Blah, blah, blah. Most people, especially the elder generation as well, will just take half of them don't even know what they're taking. And I can 100% guarantee that as well because little old ladies I used to go and see, they didn't know what the fuck they were taking half the time. So I think that there's a certain amount of naivety, but then it's the same in the NHS. It's like everybody says that we know what's going on. We don't, but people three or four echelons above us probably do. So I think it'll be the same in the government as well. Maybe. I refuse to accept the fact that they just went on Pfizer's word and, and Pfizer went, right, lads, safe as ours is this is. Safe as shit. 
And Boris was like, splendid. And that was it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Send me four billion doses. And then that was it. I refu- So and did no one turn around and go, got any evidence? What was the start trial like? Um, and then, you know, what's his name? Um, Peter McCullough. Javid. Oh. Javid was like... Um, when Steve, uh, Dr. Steve James was like, well, I've had it, blah, blah, blah. And Sajid was like, well, we've, uh, we've consulted all the uh, experts. Have you? Because you're talking to an expert right now, mate, who's mm. actually working through COVID, blah, blah, blah. So I would trust him mm. more than the person who probably hasn't seen a patient in decades and just writes articles, you know, that kind of stuff. It's so- a good critique of um, government health officials. So many people who are in charge of like COVID in you know administering vaccines uh like controls lockdowns whatever they they don't actually work with patients they're not on the front line but then people who are have a different narrative yeah mm. and that yeah and that because you're chewing the fat your job when you work in front line is to bridge the gap between the clinical world and the the civilian world and there's a patient in the middle of it so your job as a good clinician paramedic nurse is to you know let the patient know what's going on answer their questions, explain stuff to them so they can make decisions and consent and other bits and pieces. That's our job. Doctors, unfortunately, aren't great at that because they're, they're so used to speaking to other doctors. They speak in doctor speak. Um, and, 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 and so our job is to try and not dumb it down because that's not the right word, but just, just digest it. So it's a, so patients can make a decision about the treatment they're getting and the medications and what's going to happen at hospital and everything. Cause the, it's surprising, unfortunately, how lack of communication gets said to the patient about what's actually going on with them in hospital uh, or what's going to happen and and things. So it's 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 difficult scenario. It's a stressful environment for everybody. But I, I cannot, I cannot. And Pfizer, man, honestly, pretty much all of the medications, if people were to go look at the drugs that have been taken off the market from Pfizer, you, <laughs> you, 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 you don't take drugs, kids, all right? <laughs> you know? But it's, um, so it's, and this is the thing, right? This is the thing. You only find this stuff out looking for the whys of why this all happened. And then when you start looking at the, you know, I don't think personally um, we should be taking any kind of gospel information from anybody that's a company that's ran by shareholders, if you know what I mean. Pfizer's a company, I understand that. It's a pharmaceutical company and everything else. But when people start raising concerns, that people should respond to it. But the fact that there was a unanimous stonewalling across the government, the MHRA, all the governing bodies that we would normally get advice from, they were quick enough to tell us to take the jab, it was safe, and it wasn't anything to do with the jab, but they couldn't tell us what it was. So you can't do that. (laughs) You just can't say, it's definitely not this. What is it then? We don't know. Well, how do you know it's definitely not that then? Well, we just just do. Uh, And then you realise that these fuckers are invested in it and they've probably jabbed and vaccinated thousands of people. So they're the ones that, you know, if the seed of doubt is starting to creep into the, you know, the worm of, of worry is creeping into their head saying, shit, I've, I've fucking vaccinated so many people. And guess who's liable? Mm. The person who gave the jab. Yeah. It's, it's a very complex issue talking about who's responsible for all this shit because you get into so many realms of what is evil and the whole philosophy of that. You've got the banality of evil, so people doing evil acts without knowing they're doing evil acts or they kind of know they're doing evil acts, but they're not as bad as the people higher up who know exactly what yeah. is actually happening. I mean, for me, yeah. I think the 
I don't think many people are just straight down evil. I think it's easy to put someone in a box and be like, you know, you're evil, you're not. But I would say that one, the MRHA, yeah, that's MHRA. MHRA. Always fucking terrible. Don't worry about it, mate. It's a bit of a mouthful. But like with them, I think, you know, when you look at how they're funded, there's no wonder they have the views they have regulating. The COVID vaccine, with all the data that's come out, as Dr. Asim Alhotra, you, and many others have said, any other vaccine in history would be taken off the market in a heartbeat. But the fact that this hasn't, and it hasn't even been investigated, is just, you know, red flags all, you know, all the way. And when Dr. Asim Alhotra did say that it is funded majority by pharmaceutical companies, for me, that was a game changer because it's like, hang on, it's not even like the, the government are in control of this. The companies that make the drugs are being regulated by the companies themselves. It's just absolute madness. So it's like, uh, for me, that's that's what I'm on a quest of finding, you know. Who are these people who let this happen? Because what I think most likely is the case, it's some high-up government bureaucrats who said you know let's let's give it to six-year-olds they got a few letters they're like oh no don't matter or whatever and they might have some shareholders in pfizer in the stock market or whatever and then they realize holy shit we made a big fuck up and technically they're not you know they're not one let's cause a genocide or whatever but they think oh no i don't admit i'm wrong so they're just trying to cover their tracks the whole way it's not that but then i guess that is the question would you say those people are evil so MHRA is 80% funded by Big Pharma. That's a big number, right? Mm. So, and the MHRA's job is to regulate the use of the drugs that are in circulation in England, pretty much. Everyone thinks they've got other jobs, but that's their main job. So their only job is to regulate the drugs. <laughs> so the one time they probably needed to regulate something, they fucking didn't. So that, that just goes to show everybody, you know, and, and what people don't get or don't realize because it's a different kind of different type of life. You've got the NHS boots on the ground folk, as with any business like Amazon and all that, you know, they're only as good as the people that are on the ground, fixing the patients, packing the boxes. What decisions go on above that? They don't really affect the people on the bottom because that's their main job. So the stuff kind of rolls downhill and the people would have just been said, you know, you got to do this and you got to do that. So those people would have just been doing their job. Most of them. But then you get the little Hitlers and the Karens that, that, that you give them a tiny bit of power and, you know, they completely abuse it. Uh, and, and unfortunately, COVID and all that gave those people a, a, a kind of stepping stone to be like that and start judging everybody. And, you know, you're an anti-vaxxer, you're not wearing a mask, you're putting me at risk. And, you know, and it's it's like, listen, Baz, you're in a mobility scooter, you're eating McDonald's, you smoke, you put yourself at risk, mate, I'm not doing anything. But, you know, that's not the way society works. I don't think everybody's evil i think people there's a lot of egos in the nhs a lot of egos with consultants and professors and you know it's all about who's got the biggest clinical dick and the most letters after their name and it's boring if i'm honest with you because none of them would take a slap in the face and that's what i mean so it's like you might be an academic but are you even a real man so you know it's it's a different type of people and i had this conversation with a few of them like why have doctors not said nothing because they're pussies and everybody should know that. Go think about the last time you saw your doctor with his little bow tie there and his little suit on. And think about, if I punched you square ball in the jaw, you wouldn't take it. You know what I mean? They're not the type of people 
that will stand up and risk losing their 150 grand a year job, their standard of living and all that kind of stuff to, to talk out against a procedure, especially when they'll be chastised like Dave Cartland has been and other doctors and everything else and, and you know, uh, and ridiculed and discredited. And these are some of the best doctors I, I, I know because they're compassionate and, and they care, which be, believe it or not, people, doctors don't care. They just see you as some fucker who sat in the waiting room and how I can get you out of the waiting room. Um, and it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. But what the public don't get is a lot of the time you can help yourself and doctors get frustrated because after shit you're going in with is stuff you could sort yourself out, but you don't want to because it involves a lifestyle change. Eating better, moving better, losing weight, just looking after yourself, giving a shit what you put in your body instead of just thinking you can go see the doctor, get a tablet and it all goes away. Unfortunately, it's not like that. But anyway, that's something we, we need to work. It's education. But doctors don't help because they come in and say, you've got high blood pressure, have a tablet. Not, you've got high blood pressure, lose weight. You know what I mean? It's There's two different types of, of, of healthcare, but I always digress. I don't think everyone's evil. I think, but what people need, it's a pandemic of people that can't admit they were wrong, right? And it's not like you're wrong in a big way. It's, we understand what happened. We all were duped. It's just, I came home at the beginning and took my uniform off outside and all that kind of stuff, you know, because I thought it was generally bad, but I still don't want to take the jab and I still haven't taken the jab and I still won't take the jab. But that's my choice. People who want to take it, fucking take it. Do what you want. Have seven. I don't care. Right any right. Don't give a shit. But leave me alone. Leave my kids alone and leave everybody else alone that wants to do their own thing. It's like making everybody else gay who doesn't want to be gay and then chastising them for not wanting to be gay. Right? I know everyone's going to say, oh, it's terrible because people can't die from being gay. <laughs> not everybody would die from COVID like you said you would either. So mm. it's, you know, but I'm trying to, trying to point out how ridiculous the stuff that they were saying. I don't think everyone's evil. But I do think people definitely, definitely enjoyed certain parts of having that kind of power and, um, I don't know, lordiness over people, you know? Because you get it with, with, with clinicians anyway, talking to patients. I'm the clinician. Listen to what I say. If you're not going to say, do what I say, then... And you're just like, oh, get over yourself, mate. That was another reason I had to get out because I was just surrounded by so many douchebags. I felt like I got on the wrong bus. Should have been a plumber or something. But what's annoying and frustrating as well is, is obviously in the part in, in EU Parliament two weeks ago, they announced under oath that Pfizer hadn't done any testing to see if it reduced transmission. None at all. They had no clue whether it did anything to reduce transmission. And what were we with what were we told? Take it to stop you giving it to your nana. And stop take they lied. Now did the government know? Wait, hang on, no, fine. no, that's not true. They're moving at the speed of science. <laughs> oh, yeah, the speed of science, Holmes. Yeah, yeah. mate, I mean, I'd, I'd like to get that tattooed across my face. <laughs> you know I mean, the speed of science. Yeah. Just, it was just, I couldn't, but, but she must have known, like, when she said that. But it was funny because she was under oath and she had to, you know, and it's amazing mm. what people do under oath. And this is why we should get them all under oath to, to, to say exactly what was going on. But she said that. And then, so then you think, right, okay, did Pfizer tell the governments? And if they didn't, that means Pfizer's sat there and watched all the governments around the world lie to everybody. Or did Pfizer tell the government in the form of, here's a paperwork, knowing the government wouldn't read it. And then the onus then falls on the government and the government have gone, shit, did anyone read that? And everyone's gone, I thought you did. No, 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 I thought you did. Well, uh, fuck, it says yeah. here in big black letters, they didn't test for transmission. <laughs> you know, and then we've been mm. telling everybody. So... <clears throat> They're all going to point and blame each other. 
I think what we need to get to the bottom of, uh, what we need to do is make sure this doesn't happen again. Instead of, and then, then we can concentrate on who did what and when, if you know what I mean. Because while we're all wondering about, oh, you did this, and they're still giving them to people. They're still doing jabs. True. They're still doing these special pills and these special combination flu jabs and COVID together. And people are still getting uh, delayed treatments and aggressive cancer. You know, there's, there's all still that to deal with as well yet. So it's like we've got, we can sweep as much of it under the carpet as we can. We've, we're still going to have to get rid of it at some point, you know? So I, I think... <laughs> fucking hell jesus christ there's just so much stuff i want to talk to you properly one day because mm. i've said this to you before on the last one as well it's important that we get the message out to you lot and i don't when i say you lot i mean the youth and i don't mean the youth in a patronizing way because i love the youth but i said this to you on the last time we spoke as well that you guys are our future you guys are our future right you might wipe my ass one day in a nursing home i hope you don't but you are our future all right and and and, and at the minute there's such a gap between sort of uh age groups if you want you know there's the old oh the youth of today you know and there's we're so disconnected from each other but you guys are our future and you're probably looking at us going what the fuck are you talking about what are you doing what are you on about whereas we can see where we are i have no idea if i'm gonna have a pension in the future mate nothing is safe nothing is secure enough for me to invest my money i can't afford a house because I can't afford to, to save up 30 grand to buy a house. I can't get a mortgage, but I can afford, you know, 800 pound a month rent. You know, I don't want that for you, mate, or my boy who's five, you know, but the only way we can stop that from happening is trying to give you guys as much information and, and as much of a head start of what to spot and to stop it from happening, that it doesn't happen to you. Because we're, we're, we're kind of fucked. It's a bit late for us now. Um, and it's interesting that most of the people that are in these movements are from sort of like 30 to sort of 55 age group. Mm. And that kind of ties in, I think, with the, the ability to be able to embrace technology as well. If you know what I mean, you say to an elderly person, go on, bitch, you. What? <laughs> bitch, you know, mm. I know you, shoot. Right, okay. And so, oh, is that one of them right, right, right wing players? And you're like, no, it's just somewhere else to get your news that's not the usual place you know. Um, so they're just not accustomed. We're a little bit more um acceptance to, to alternative stuff and you guys bless you just too busy going out getting you know snogging birds and taking coke and enjoying yourself so you don't give a shit you know i remember when i was a kid my mum used to say, you need to save some money it's like fuck off i ain't saving money i'm going out and doing what you know so i we get it that's the thing um but it's so important to get the message that we're not all crazy all right all we're asking is for, for you guys to just be like hang on a minute back the truck up a minute and just ask some questions because I remember so so many times when I was younger, just going, yes, sir. Especially to the older guys, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Do as are told. But it's funny how they had to bribe you guys into doing it and taking it. You can't go to the pub. Can't go to holiday. You know, it wasn't, you know, because of your health, health, you know? It's just, but you guys are so important. You guys are our future. This is why I'll always chat to you, mate. But you're like the youngest guy doing this. Um but that's why I've always got a lot of respect for you, mate, for what you do, man, because it's not easy. <laughs> well, I really appreciate that. Love the confidence. I think it's so true, though, in the movement of, uh, you know, freedom-loving individuals like yourself in the UK, especially, there are little to nobody in this movement. Like, I've been to maybe three together events now. I went to the official with dr j bachacharya and dr sima hotra it's amazing meeting uh dr j like i spoke to him for like an hour it's crazy i've got mm. a picture of him as well so happy days <laughs> um but like 
what you're saying is so true. So many people my age, they like I'm actually quite an anomaly in my circle. Like people think I'm a bit of a weirdo. You know, I don't. I'm not. I'm watching TikToks. I'm looking at you know a newspaper on fucking how many vaccine injured people have been this week or whatever. You know, I'm not um a conventional 18 year old and like so many people think i'm absolutely mental where the stuff i obsess about the stuff on my story and stuff but the reason i do it is because one i think it's super important the people who have happened and also actually trying to educate some people because i have had messages where people be like you actually changed my opinion like i had people in college who they used to had a i don't know if i mentioned this last time actually i had this girl who came up to me when I was, I because she was like, who took the vaccine? I said, I didn't take the vaccine. She came up to me and said, what is it? I hope you get cancer and die. Like in a, in a deadpan way. And I was like, bloody hell. Um, and people in my college, you know, they're like, oh, are you anti-vaxxer? And they thought I was like a transphobe and it was awful. Like, And there was actually a few people have now come up to me saying, you've actually changed my perspective looking at your stories and stuff so you know there is progression and it's so true like we are the generation now where the future's bleak because people my age don't give a fuck about actual issues really they they like they'll sing and dance about abortion issue in america but forty thousand care home workers get sacked on our front door and they're not even fucking saying a word about my body my fucking choice or like they're just on TikTok all day. And so many people I know just go on their phones all the time. But when it comes to actual issues that affect actual people, they, they're not interested. And while you talk about kind of a more positive <laughs> approach to my generation, as someone who's kind of part of this generation, I think the future is extremely bleak. I think people in my generation are self-centered. They're too busy wondering about fucking Instagram likes and you know, or does this filter make me look fat or whatever the fuck? They're on their phones all day. I think to be extremely bleak, I think the future is is doomed. And what social media is doing to people, the way people believe BBC News and all that bollocks, mm. there's very little that can actually kind of change that. Apart from people like Joe Rogan, who people like me listen to, and people mm. like minded, but I haven't really concluded a point there. I was just ranted. <laughs> Oh <laughs> um, no, you're right. You're right, though, mate. But that's been by design. That's been by design because if they had everybody awake and able to ask questions and critically think, they wouldn't be able to get away with it. That's the problem. So they kind of want you to stick to your iPad, stick to your Netflix, look at boobs on Instagram, worry about stuff that's got really nothing to do with society. Because then it's it's, it's distraction, mate. It's, it just just distracts you from actually looking up and going shit. Uh, until it's too late and then you go oh, crocky how did I let that happen how did we get to the point where we nearly sacked 120,000 care workers we did sack 60,000 40,000 uh, care workers from care homes to the point now where it's knackered up the whole you know we let that happen uh, and so so you know but they, it's been by design for for the youth to not really care about that sort of stuff apart from unless it directly affects them they put everyone in a bubble uh, and as long as their bubble's all right, they don't care. But a lot of it as well, though, is stuff they'll hear their parents say. Uh, and then if you, I mean, I'm sure you say, if so, you hope you get cancer and die. You just think, <laughs> why do you care so much what decisions I make? I mean, you should go up to them and say, do you take it in the arse? <laughs> do you? Because you should. And she'll be like, oh, it's got nothing to do with what I do. Exactly. 
exactly mm. did you find that offensive what i asked yeah i think it's offensive you telling me go get cancer do you know but but you know sometimes people don't know they're being dickheads until someone points out and says you've been a bit of a dickhead here mate mm. and, and that's go on mate oh i was just gonna say 100 percent. like introspectiveness is like so, no one wants to be wrong these days i think that's a that's another big thing I, like ego is being right and even like James yeah. O'Brien on LBC, this is the most random thing going. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> but, but James O'Brien, his whole personality is being right. It's not about growing his mindset, ch changing, developing, growing as a person, growing your opinions. Oh, I was wrong then. I regret saying that, blah, blah, blah. It's just about him being right. So we use this degrading, um, just you're, you're dumb. I'm smart. Let me just break down what you say in this in the template which i do with every caller on lvc and it's people mm. like him who are the embodiment of just what's wrong with society it's people who want to be right but don't want to grow that's the big difference and i've learned yeah. so much about that through having conversations because i remember last time i got you on like talking to you um there were so many things you said which i really disagreed with and i pushed back on you and we had just a brilliant chat and yeah. that's what it's about you know you yeah. you I was like, what do you say about people who say, Mark, I don't, this cause more from COVID and you would be like, blah, blah, blah. And like people grow from that. People who had my opinion on that grew from it. And I've grown from that. And now looking back on it, I regret some of my views going against you then. Um, and it's through that growth and not wanting to be right, but wanting to grow, I think, which is pinnacle to life. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is. It's to, yeah, not just to, to this scenario now with COVID, it's to life. But but no one's teaching you kids those life skills anymore, mate. And that's the problem. I learned it from from my father, from the military and stuff. But there's no, and I, I look now, there's no good role models for you guys. And when any decent role model pops up on the TV or, uh, what's his name? Is it Andrew Tate? Yeah. That, like, yeah i mean everyone says he's showing he's, he's this he's that is that so if you actually sit and listen to what he says you know well I, but i've got to push back I mean, a little <laughs> no I'm no actually... no i'm not saying everything what <laughs> yeah, i'm yeah, saying yeah. is is, mm. is the, the reason why they've censored him so much is because he resonates so much with the youth with what he says i don't agree with the way some of the things he says but then again optics is everything mate unless you speak to him Right. When did you watch him on the Piers Morgan? Yeah, interview? saw the whole thing. Mm. Yeah, right. So Piers was just trying to get him to be remorseful for some of his comments and all that kind of stuff. And he stuck to his guns and said, I'm not apologizing because I got what he was trying to say, but I also saw what Piers was trying to say to him as well. When you're when you're someone like Andrew Tate, when you you probably not, you know, you're an unintentional role model and he's got where he's got, who would you take advice from? Piers Morgan or him? Yeah, Andrew Tate. I think Andrew Tate's advice no. is he's got good advice for sure. There's so many things I'm not I saying he's, I'm not saying yeah. he's a one, you know, he's, but I'm just using it as an example for you guys. But the role models that you do have always come with a caveat of always oh, shit to women, always oh, this, always that, you know. So you got, when I was growing up, Bruce Lee was my role model, right? An Optimus Prime, you know? <clears throat> but, but you kids nowadays, all the celebrities are, you know, all woke. And, and, you know, so who have you guys got to look up to? And then it comes to the point where like, do you know what? I don't need a role model. I could just be a good person. And I think what you're saying with is whenever I get in a debate, I don't get in debates with people on Twitter no more because all that happens then is you end up throwing different papers in. The I've got this paper. You've got the, well, the evidence says this and you, have, and, you know, and I don't argue with it. I'm an anaesthetist of 15 years. I don't care. All right. I don't care. 
it, I'm not going to argue with you because it's like I'm trying to change your personal view on something. And the way it works is, is like your view is wrong and mine is right. And it's like, that's what needs to stop. It needs to be, well, okay, that's your point of view. This is mine. I don't agree with you. You don't agree with, but we can still, you know, you can still have the same, you can have the different, different of opinions, but have the same goal, you know, at the end of the day. So it's like, I don't care whether you think it's right or not. We have to look at the thing now in the state that we're in. It's not good. I don't care whether we got here on purpose, by accident, nefariously or not, but we are where we are. And do we want to stop people dying? Yes. Okay. We want to stop people dying from COVID. And we also want to stop people dying from, from potential myocarditis and jab reactions. So we must meet in the middle and, and do what we do best as human beings. Because we can do everything as human beings. We're amazing. But they've created so much chatter in our head that, you know, we can't talk to other people. I don't like him. He gives me a weird feeling. You know, even when I was down there myself, myself included, I was speaking to Norman and saying a couple of things like, oh, I don't know about this person. And, and then that Norman was like, see, this is the problem. There's, there's, there's loads of judgment, even within the movements. And I, I, like you said, I stopped and thought, gosh, yeah, shit. You know, it doesn't matter what I think of that person. They're still standing up there doing what they're doing and saying what they say. It doesn't matter if I think they're arrogant. Doesn't, don't care. And he doesn't care what I think either. They're the ones standing there doing what they can to do you know the best that they can and it's same with this podcasting and everything you know once you've stuck to your lane you got to stick to it you can't do podcasts you can't do everything if this is what we've we've decided to do this is what you got to stick to you know so and and that's but you're right there is a lot of growing there's a lot of maturity but it's hard because mate there's no i look at the guys out there at the minute i'm 42 bruv you know what i mean i'm getting <clears throat> i'm still in my prime but it's like crikey you know, not where's the girls at, where the men at, you know what I mean? And not guys who think they're men, mm. like proper men. I thought with all the hooligans that we've got, there would have been loads of people protesting and kicking the crap out of those coppers when they bounced that woman over on the horse and pushed that old boy. Where were they? Mm. Nowhere. All these big hard guys that go to football games and throw coins and shout abuse at the referee and, you know, Gur! weren't there at all. Weren't there at all. So... Not to sorry, mate. not to dob um, my mate in. I definitely won't say his name because this will get him. Cr yeah, I don't even know if I should say this. I might mute this out. My mate, um, he was we we went to the one outside down the street where it probably kicked off. And all I'm saying is, um, yeah, he was definitely on the front line, and he was definitely definitely done a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I don't endorse it, by the way. Don't endorse mm. it. But um. Yeah, it's been a it's been an amazing chat. I've had such a good chat. Um, I think like it's just great, great catch up, great catch up. Thirty eight oh, weeks later or something. Don't leave it for long next time because it'd be nice. I remember you asked me once, would I have a debate with someone? Uh, mm. Come on and talk about it. And I remember saying to you, said it's not something because it just goes back to the thing we talk about. It'd just be her trying to convince me I'm wrong and vice versa. You don't mm. get anything out of it. But um, if you ever want to bring me in to do anything, mate. I feel like I need to talk to you, you young, you youth. Mm, yeah, definitely. Because I think you've got so much potential. You guys, you know, and, and it's and, and it, it's good for you to to be around people that test your your theories, if you know what I mean. Because if you're around people that agree with you all the time, it's like being in Twitter. It's like an echo chamber, groupthink mentality. You need to be, test your arguments, flex your opinion sometimes, and then someone will just shoot holes in it and you think, oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't mm. think that or keep it to myself. And, 
diversity is important. It really is. It stops you, you know, thinking that mentality. And, you know, everyone just rubs on, but yeah, you're doing a great job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you need to flat saying, well, hang on, hang about this, hang about, about that. And you're like, yeah, no, you're right. And it stops you getting comfortable, you know? 100%. I completely agree with you there. That's why every single day there's this podcast I listen to. I disagree with about 95% of everything they say. I listen to it every single day for the past five days. So Monday to uh, Friday for the past, I think, 550 days I've listened to it for. <laughs> um, like during the COVID times, during everything I've listened to it. And I'm constantly thinking he's wrong about this. He's right about this. And I've just grown so fucking much listening to people I hate on a regular basis. I cannot recommend it more. I listen to endless. I listen to LBC all the time because I cannot stand him. I'm there watching every James O'Brien clip and I do not like the man at all. You know, I think it's such a great thing to do. It gets you switched on, gets you knowing what you think, why you think it. And most importantly, grow in your perspective and like here on the other side, which is most important. But Matt, where can people catch you? Uh, okay, so um, on Twitter, I'm medicmatt090, uh, the same on Instagram as well. Um, I think I'm Kung Fu Medic one on Getter, but I don't really go on there much. Um, Facebook's just Matt Taylor. I get hammered and shadow banned on there all the time. And then obviously you just got at NHS100K, twitter and instagram as well for them and then if you want to email me anything you can email me at podcast at nhs100k.org if any of you don't want to email me to come on and chat or just have a chat talk about anything and you do run a yeah you do run a podcast on you great podcast if yeah you guys should definitely check it out he's interviewed some like he done an interview with asim mahotra so i would highly suggest giving that a listen and also i did did it with asim before he was cool i did it with he was one of my the, I think he was one of the third or fourth. I think I interviewed him about three, four months ago. One good one to go is, is Brooke Jackson. Oh, the she, Pfizer whistleblower. Yeah, but there's a few on there. Um, I've got a couple of uh, bereaved and injured people on there as well. I've got Alex and things as well. But mm. uh, yeah, you just got we just got to keep doing what we're doing, don't we, mate? Mm, 100%. Keep up the grind. As well. Good interview, good interview. I've listened to it. You let him speak like for ages without interrupting like, i've been interrupting quite a few times here but no 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 the thing is though mate is is that was the reason why i wanted to do the podcast in the because i would listen to people and then just as the guests were starting to get into their flow they'd cut in and say something retarded right and then they'd go off on another tangent and i was like oh, what was so i used to get really annoyed but yeah i'll sit and sometimes uncomfortable silences are all right because they just let things sink in because it's not my podcast. It's about them talking to me. So I always look, because I have to do the, the transcript for the subtitles. And I always look at the beginning. And it gives you a percentage of each speaker. So far, every time I've done an interview, I've always been less than sort of 25% of me talking. And the rest has been them. Yeah, it's like, I think it is good. And <laughs> I actually, it's ironic, I waited there. But um, it is it's definitely good because there's so many interviews I watch. Like, Wah. And I'm quite yeah. joey the way I speak. So even if I did want to interrupt, it would just sound so fucking horrendous. Me with my stutters and repeating shit. Nah, you get, you, people have, people, when they talk, they have natural pauses. You know what I mean? So you just, you get better at waiting for the natural pause. 
and they'll say what they want to say and then naturally kind of stop and then you can go and then you know if you're clambering all over and trying to say something <clears throat> they forget what they're saying and then you forget what you're asking that's why i look down and write stuff down so i don't forget what i want to say while you're talking yeah is it are you listening or are you waiting to speak yeah that's that's a big difference and you can really tell i think when someone's not actually engrossed they're just waiting to get their little point in and that's yeah. grim listen when you hear that fucking hell um but, but anyway thank you so much for listening fucking love you all give it oh, i love you too mate love that um yeah you, i had an absolute fucking blast uh if you are listening on spotify give it a five stars if you listen on itunes fucking get me that rating still haven't got a single rating on itunes peak times um oh, i'll have a look for you mate <clears throat> oh cheers <laughs> yeah. um yeah share it share it with your mum. share it with your dad share it with someone who needs to hear these conversations who isn't getting told about any of this who's in the echo chamber and as i always say send to someone who disagrees with what i'm saying who likes what i'm saying anyone who you know just anyone who you think this can actually kind of make a even if it's a small incremental dent you know chipping the brick away one step at a time whatever like share it with them because it's these conversations that spark revolution well, no nah, i shouldn't say revolutions peaceful sure. revolutions yeah peaceful sure. revolutions i disagree with violent re revolutions but peaceful revolutions but yeah thank you so much for coming on you can check his podcast in the show notes and his social medias but yeah, thanks so much for listening. Drop a like, please subscribe. And I will catch you next Thursday at 6 o'clock. Peace.